Good morning and welcome to St Swithin's. I read a marketing study as part of my research this morning of over a hundred nations about how individualistic or collective different nations were. Some nations really exalt the individual. It's all about my rights. It's about my need to express myself. It doesn't matter whether I say or whether I do and how that affects other people. Other nations are far more community orientated. The individual is subordinated for the good of the whole. Well, you can guess that the UK and the US were top of the charts, gold medal winners in individualism, the most me-centred countries. So what's the problem with that? The problem is we take this individualistic attitude into our faith and into the church, where we expect everything to revolve around me, around me and all my needs. A more helpful way of understanding the church is that it's a little bit like a team sport in which nobody succeeds unless we all participate and we all play. The leadership expert John Maxwell has a little saying that became famous for that's an acronym for team. Together, everyone achieves more. Together, everyone achieves more. Now we're looking at the book of Exodus and we're in chapter 18 this morning. And Moses discovers that Christian leadership is done together. Let me start in Exodus 18. Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel. And how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife Zipporah, his father-in-law Jethro received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom, for Moses said, I've become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer, for he said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. The Bible says that Moses had two sons with Zipporah, Gershom and Eliezer. Now, in many ways, a leader's life alternates between that of Gershom on the one hand and Eliezer on the other. You know, Gershom, I am alone. Nobody really understands me. No one really gets what I'm trying to achieve, what I'm created to do. I feel disconnected. I am a stranger in a foreign land. And the opposite pole of Eliezer, God is my helper. I am experiencing God. I've discovered the resources and the riches of God in this difficult place and to walk with God in wherever I am. So firstly, I am alone. You know, a leader is at their worst when they're alone, when they're Gershom. We see this in the prophet Elijah too, who at his lowest point in 1 Kings 19, runs away from God, runs away from his people and curls up under a tree, depressed and wants to die. I am alone in this world, full of self-pity. So why is this so dangerous to get to this place of aloneness? Martin Luther, the reformist, said this about it. <clears throat> he said, solitude produces melancholy. When we're alone in the worst and saddest things come to mind, reflect on detail and all sorts of evil. And if we've encountered adversity in our lives, we dwell upon it as much as possible. Magnify it. Think that no one is unhappy as we are. <clears throat> and imagine the worst possible consequences for everything we could do. In short, when we're alone, we think one thing and another. We leap to conclusions. We interpret everything in the worst possible light. On the other hand, we imagine that everyone else is incredibly happy 
And it's distressed us to think things go well with them. And for us, it's all bad and evil. Do you know, we weren't created for isolation. The normal way of being blessed by God is through other people, where we receive wisdom, love, forgiveness, correction and training when we're struggling and going through really difficult things. Depression, cancer, a pandemic. Do you know, if you want to find God in the midst of your problems, you need to find other people. You need to discover the blessing of other Christians. It's why we offer help in the prayer chain, in life groups, prayer ministry, friends on team with you. We were there to build relationships in healthy places. You know, a common need for every person throughout the world is that of isolation and what people call cosmic loneliness. I am a stranger in a strange land. It's why the first word of our vision, the four words in our vision is connect. We're here to reconnect people to God, to the church and to our place in the world. But only God can fill our life with the love and the acceptance that we crave and look for in every other place. But Moses had a second son, Eliezer. <clears throat> and one of the great objections to faith in God is that it's always been the, the issue of human suffering. But it's, when you, it's wonderful when you hear the story of an Eliezer coming to someone when they're in a place of suffering. God is my helper. God has sent me strength and help to me. And ultimately for us this morning, God has sent us the person of Jesus to be our helper, to be our saviour, to be our rescuer. I wonder this morning who's ever been an Eliezer to you or actually who God is calling you to be an Eliezer to as well. Remember what Jesus has done for us this morning, what the Son of God endured for you and I so that we could receive God's help. A man despised and rejected, a man of sorrows who went to the cross enduring all the rejection, the loneliness that he went through so that we would never have to be alone. That you and, always, you and I could always have God with us because of the suffering of Jesus. Jesus is our help and we worship a God who isn't just there away and divorced from our suffering, but he came down to be with us. And I can trust Jesus. I can trust a God who's walked on this earth and walked with us through the suffering and who becomes an Eliezer to us, my helper. Chapter 18 continues at verse five with this. <clears throat> Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Moses told his father-in-law about everything that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptian for Israel's sake, and about all the hardship they'd met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know the Lord is greater than all other gods for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. <clears throat> There's this lovely dynamic in this passage between Moses and Jethro here and the importance of bearing witness in our relationships in verse 8 is beautiful. We find the perfect summary of what bearing witness is all about. It's not trying to argue people into faith. Each of us, each one of us has a personal testimony about what has, we've seen God do in our lives and in other people's lives. And we're called to share that and to give it away. 
And Jethro's statement in verse 11, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other God. It's common to meet people who say that all religions are okay to the same place. They're all ultimately the same. But that really that's not true and never has been. Nobody thinks that they're equally valid when you get down to it. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, in the Bible, there are these people who aren't part of the covenant community like um, Jethro here and Naaman that we find. But God has revealed himself to them from outside. But it's interesting, these people from outside the community testify that they've revealed and experienced the God who is greater than all other gods, as, as Jethro does here. The way to God this morning is in and through Jesus and Jesus alone. Our faith focus a laser attention on the person of Jesus Christ, the saviour of the world. He is the one who unites us. Then we get to verse 13. <clears throat> the next day Moses took his seat to serve as a judge for the people. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as a judge while all these people stand around you in the morning till evening? Moses answered, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide between the parties and then form them of God's will, <clears throat> of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what are you doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And then verse 23, if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. You know, we see this problem of control and non-delegation everywhere in the corporate world and in the church. We see so many people who see it as a badge of honour that they try and do everything themselves. Unaware of their own limitations and the gifts of those around who will help share the load. And much of the problem of non-delegation and control comes back to ego. And the fact is when we don't delegate, when we don't release people to fulfil their, their purposes, the result is this in verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. We wear ourselves out and people aren't satisfied. You know, it's a terrible testimony if that's our testimony as a church. The load is for sharing. We all need to contribute and to play our part. You know, and the reality is this, if you think no one is really good enough but to your standards so that you can't actually feel that you can delegate to anybody and release control to, then the question might be asked, what really is the driver behind your behaviours and your perfectionism? Is it really that you don't feel acceptable to God deep down? Because the cross of Christ needs to get to work in the area of your superiority complex and see yourself as properly broken and properly fallen. And if you're looking for stature and adequacy through trying to do it through your own strength and your achievements, you need to meet God this morning and see that in and through Jesus, he proclaims you fully acceptable. Look at all he's done for you. Rather than look at your overwork or your success. 
at the cross, God says, I accept you as you are. You can release control, release to others. And you don't have to be afraid what others are going to think of you or others are going to say about you. The gospel gives us all the resources to break the patterns of control and fear of non-delegation so we can delegate, we can work together, we can develop others, we can build teams and we can empower others to be a place of life for everybody. You know, there's nothing more satisfying for a leader than seeing other people fly. You know, we are not alone this morning. God is with us, but we all have a part to play. Let's join in. And St Swithin's be a place where we work together for God's kingdom, God's splendour and God's glory. Amen. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, thank you for your promises. We offer ourselves afresh this morning and repent of our selfishness and our pride. Remake as we pray by your spirit in and through Jesus to be a church that plays its part in every way and reflects your glory. Amen. <clears throat>